Well, it's a, a great joy and a great privilege to bring you uh, God's word one more time as we stand. Let me just uh, pray for us as we come and listen to the Lord our God. Our Father, as we uh, have just uh, been singing, I pray that you would cause our faith to rise and our eyes to see. Lift our eyes this morning to uh, your majesty and your power. Lift our eyes to the the glory of the Lord Jesus and fill us, we pray, uh, with the faith that we desperately need. In his name, amen. Amen. Well, we come at the end of Isaiah chapter 40, which can be found on uh, page uh, 600, if you've got a church Bible in front of you, so do, do grab that and uh, turn to page 600. And we'll be reading... Um, just the last, last four verses, five verses of Isaiah chapter 40. Hear God's words. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Uh, He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up With wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Well, it's no uh, secret that to be a Christian uh, is to be uh, in a battle. Uh, The New Testament is full of of battle imagery. The Christian is one who who fights. The Christian is one who who struggles. The Christian is one who's meant meant to strap on armor. So let me ask you this morning... What do you think is your greatest battle? Maybe it's, it's sin, putting to death, the lust in you, the anger in you, the envy in you. Maybe it's the, the unbelieving world, not being um, drawn in by, by the, the cultural narratives around us. Maybe it's simply trying to fight to love the Lord your God day by day. Uh, but I want to say uh, that there is a Christian battle that is universal, um, that is in every believer's heart, that's in your heart, I suspect, this morning. That's in the heart of the person uh, next to you. Uh, what is it? Well, it's the battle to believe. Very simple. It's the fight of faith. It's the struggle to trust and that God really cares about us. It's, it's the fight to, 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 to trust in his promises. And that battle is, is concisely and strikingly put for us. Um, in verse uh, 27 of our passage. Uh, it says to us there, uh, and our first thing to think about this morning, in verse 27, that our, our hearts doubt God. Our hearts doubt God. Israel, uh, as we've been saying throughout the series, is in exile. They've been uprooted from uh, the promised land. They've been carted off into slavery. They're far away from all the good things God has given them in the past. They are suffering uh, as slaves of King Nebuchadnezzar. 
And what are they saying among themselves, whispering to each other? What's that in verse 27? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. My, my way is hidden. My, my, my journey, the things I do in my life, God, God does not see them. What is happening to me is hidden from his eyes. Think of a, think of a man, a beggar, as he sits on the road. And another man passes by, and he barely even glances at him. He passes by, doesn't look, and that beggar is quickly forgotten. That's what they're saying here. My right is disregarded. The things that I deserve, things that God should be giving me, he is not giving me. I'm crying out to him, and where is he? Again, the beggar, as the man passes, he cries out to him, and this time the man looks. Mercy, please help me. The man pauses, he looks, he curls his lip in disdain and carries on walking. And that is how they feel towards God, how God is treating them. In fact, it's worse than just a random stranger on the street, isn't it? It's the Lord. It's my God. It's as if it's the beggar's, beggar's father or brother or, or closest friend has walked past and ignored him. And so Israel in exile are doubting God. They're doubting God because of the circumstances in which they find themselves. And that's where, that's where our doubts in our hearts towards God come from. They spring from the circumstances around us, from the, from the experience of the Christian life. My heart doubts God because of what I find is happening to me. And has happened to me in the past. I suspect for all of us here, two things are true. That, that what I expected to experience as a Christian, I haven't experienced. My way feels, feels hidden. Where is the, kind of, the intimacy? Where is the care that God promises me? He said in verse 11 of this chapter, we saw a couple of weeks ago, that, that he will be our shepherd. And I don't feel very shepherded. Or I'm told again and again that I'm united to Christ, that there is a kind of mysterious spiritual bond that ties us together. I don't feel very united. So what I expected to experience, I haven't experienced. What I expected to receive, maybe I haven't received. My right is disregarded by my God. I, I, became, I became a Christian. Or I am a Christian. I have loads of difficulties and problems in my life. And it doesn't feel like, well, it doesn't feel like God is really addressing them. In fact, as I continue my Christian life, maybe for you, the things, the problems are getting worse and not better. I am more depressed than I was a year ago. I'm just scraping by. And so as Christians, um, we become disillusioned with God, and we, we doubt Him. If God cared for me, if God cared for me, why is this happening? If He wanted what was best for me, why am I feeling like this? And maybe for you this morning, the, the doubts in your heart wedge more deeply than that, and they go beyond that. Is my salvation even real? And eternal life, even there. And when I look ahead to the, the end of my days, the day I'll die, has Christ really conquered the grave? 
as I lay down in the dust. Now, will I be raised again? He died, he bled, he rose from the grave 2,000 years ago. But did he, did he do it for me? We can end up feeling, I think, in our, in our doubts about our own faith and about God and about our salvation. We can end up feeling a bit like an old uh, car tire that's kind of run and run and run, bumping and bouncing along the road. Uh, ragged and exhausted, day after day, the struggles come. And it's hard, isn't it? We're told in the scriptures we live by faith and not by sight. And it's a struggle to live by faith while our sight is filled with with circumstances around us uh, that make us doubt. And I suspect for all of us this morning, we, we want to believe. We want to be people who are full of assurance and confidence in the Lord God, who, who never for a moment doubts his word and his promises to us, who has such a strong hold of Christ that we never fear letting go. And sometimes we are, we do feel like that, and well, sometimes we don't. And that battle to believe it's tiring, isn't it? It can leave so many of us worn out, and we can feel so alone in it as well, as if we're the only ones who really doubt God. We see very clearly in, in the scriptures here that this is an experience of God's people. It's one we share. Well, this morning, God comes to us in our doubts and our doubting hearts, and he says to us, why? See that in verse 27? That's the way, that's the way it's framed, Why? Why do you say? Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? Why are you saying this, my people? Jacob, Israel, the people that I've placed my name upon. By the way, if, that, if, you're, if you're baptized this morning as a Christian, that, that is you. God has placed his name upon you. He's marked you out. He's saying, well, why are you doubting me? I love you. And he goes on, verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Think of a child uh, lost in the supermarket, uh, wandering about the aisles, uh, terrified and afraid. And, and as they wander about longer and longer, they get more and more scared. Uh, have their parents forsaken them? Are they lost forever? And they're crying out and they're calling out to their gods. Not their God, their, their, their parents. Uh, and when the parents uh, find them, when the, when the father finally discovers his son wandering about alone, what's he going to do? He's going to take the child, isn't he? He's going to take the child and place them on his knee, and he's going to reassure them that they are safe and that he would never abandon them. And it's, it's as if God has taken that to us this morning. God takes us on his knee and says to us, have you not known? Don't you, don't you know this? Have you not learned you should know this. I've told you so many times. Let me tell you again. Look at me. Listen to me. What does God say to us when our hearts doubt? First thing he says to us, I will never fail you. I will never fail you. I wonder if you could put that a bit, bit more strongly. I, I can never fail you. Um, we fail him all the time, don't we? That, that's, that's, like, that's our nature. We are weak. We are doubting. We are feeble, sinful people. But God says to us, he will never fail us. That is his nature. That is who he is. 
And when we doubt, when we doubt, we need to relearn that. We need to learn again what we thought we knew already. We need to look up at God and see who he is. He is the everlasting God. He is, if you like, he is the, the forever God. He has no beginning, he has no end, and he was there at the beginning, and he was there at the end. What, he say, what was he saying to us when he says that? I'm the everlasting God. He said, I, I don't change. Time doesn't affect me. We say to people all the time, don't we? When we meet them, you haven't changed a bit. But that's a lie, isn't it? Everyone changes. Time affects everyone, either in appearance or in character. But for God, we can say that to him. You haven't changed a bit. Our circumstances around us change, but, but God does not. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. There's no place, if you like, beyond his reach. He is as, as present in, in Babylon as in Israel. He's as present in, in Ukraine as in North Korea. He's as present in our darkest valleys as on our, our highest mountaintops. And he does not faint or, or grow weary. He's not, kind of, he's not reliant or, or affected by anything in our world. He's above it all. He's utterly unaffected by, by the kind of current culture around us that declares that God is not there and that he does not care. And so uh, as we look at him, we see that he is a God who is the same everywhere, all the time, in power. And he tells us about that about himself so we can, we can ask ourselves, how can he fail us? It is, it is impossible. He, he is our God, after all. He is the God who has bound himself to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And his greatness is such that, that he cannot fail us. But I wonder, if, I wonder if above all things, we need to actually just spend some time meditating on that, that last verse, that his, that his understanding is unsearchable. What does that mean for me as I look up to him? His understanding is unsearchable. Well, it means that I, I can never expect to understand his ways. See, my mind, the way, I, the way I perceive the world, my mind has a very narrow perspective on the world. My, my eyes and my ears um, have only a, a tiny fraction of what is going on, not just in the kind of the present moment, uh, but backwards throughout history and onwards into eternity. And if you like, if in, in the movie of the universe, I am a, I'm just an extra that appears for two seconds and I don't really know very much about what's going on in the film. I have kind of a faint idea, a sketch. But I can't expect to understand what, what the director of the film is doing. My circumstances in my life may make very little sense to me. I may have done things differently if I had control. Actually, we, we see that throughout the Bible. Again and again, don't you think that there are characters in the Bible who, who would think that? Think of, think of Joseph. Wouldn't he have thought, well, my circumstances make very little sense to me, just, just maybe thought that as he arrived and, and saw his brothers and they're plotting to kill him. And then he's thrown into a pit, into the darkness, abused, as he's pulled up and sold into slavery and dragged behind camels through a desert. And as life seems to be getting better, only to be thrown into prison again, falsely accused of adultery. Don't you think he would have said, my, my right is disregarded 
by God, just thought it every now and then. And yet he could look back in future days and, and say God knew what he was doing. His understanding is unsearchable. I couldn't see it at the time, but, but he knew. I wonder if we need to grasp that this morning. That he knows what he's doing in your life, whatever your doubts, and you cannot expect to understand his ways. It might be that, that, you, that your doubts are not over him, uh, but over yourself. Uh, and you know your weakness. You know that you are weak. You know that you are sinful. And you wonder, am I, am I too sinful to keep going? Or my, my doubts that I wrestle with at night, are, are they too great to keep struggling on as a Christian? And so God still has us on his knee. He still has more to say to us. He says, I will not fail you. I am too great to fail you, too powerful. But then verse 29 to 31, I will not let you fail. I will not fail you. And I will not let you fail. He says, verse 29, that he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases Strength. He is the strength-giving God. And it's important for us to grasp that that is who he is. That is his character. Just as much as he is everlasting and eternal, he's a God who, who gives of himself. He gives strength, not, not spasmodically and randomly, but constantly and, and powerfully. And he gives it to the faint. And he gives it to him who has no, no might, and that's us, isn't it? As Christians, we are the weak, we are the fatigued, we are the sinful, we are those who, who struggle with doubting hearts, we are, we are those who have belief, who trust in the Lord Jesus, but, but whose belief is riddled with unbelief. And let me just pause there and say to you, wherever you're at as a, as a Christian, that there's no such thing as a strong Christian. We are all weak Christians, even the Luthers and the Calvers and the Spurgeons are weak Christians. We are spiritually nothing. We have no might, no might at all, until God leans down to us and breathes his warm breath upon us and gives us our spiritual life and brings life into our dead, cold, unbelieving hearts. Think of it this way. Think of it this way. Think of a man who, who, who takes his son's hand as they're about to cross the road. And he, and he grasps it and, and across the road together. What is, what is their grip? What is that hand holding? What does it rely on? It relies on two things. It relies on, on the father and his strength and grasping his son's hand. And God says, I, I will not let you go. I will not fail you. But it also relies on, on, on the son not, not stumbling uh, on the road and yanking his hand free. And God is saying, not, not only is my grip on you so strong that you can never be lost, but actually... I'm giving you everything you need so that, that your grip on me will never fail. Do you see in this passage, he takes care of, of, of both sides when we're weak and when we stumble. As I listen to him speaking to me, what brings his words home to me in power and conviction well, it's that God's voice is not a voice that, that comes to me 
out of the sky, out of nowhere, and in no uh, context, but it's the very voice of the Lord Jesus coming to me. All of God's promises to me come to me through Christ. And so as I, as I hear him speaking about himself, I hear the voice of my Savior speaking to me, the, the voice of the one who has come down from heaven and poured himself out for me already, the one who spent his life on earth bearing my, my sin and my suffering. He is the man of sorrows for my sake, the one who has died and, and crushed in my place, but, re- but rose to, to conquer the grave. And you see, he is a man who's done all these things for me, but he's also God. He is fully man and, and fully God, which means that everything that is true of God, everything that's true of God is, is true of him. So he is also everlasting. We read that, don't we? That he is the same yesterday, today, and, and tomorrow. Why? Because he is God. He is, he is the creator of the ends of the earth. He was there at the beginning. At the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He does not faint or grow weary. Um, his hold on me never weakens. Again, he says that to us. No one can snatch you from my hand. His understanding is unsearchable. He has the very mind of God, and he sustains us with Strength. He knows how to speak a word to the weary and strengthen them. And so Jesus is saying to us, I will not fail you, and I will not let you fail. Again, he's the man who has shed his blood for us. He's the man who holds the power to not let us stumble and fall. He has won us uh, for his treasured possession. Uh, And our weakness and our doubts that they're no match for his strength. The Christian, friends, the Christian is a a puzzle. The Christian is a a mystery, an enigma. Why is that? Well, it's because because the Christian is really weak. He's really, really weak. We see a little bit of that in verse 13, just talking about humanity, 30, sorry, just talking about humanity in in general. But even in our prime as, as youths, and as young men, we fail, we grow tired, kind of circumstances outside of us crush us, and internally we don't have the strength and energy. But it's, it, we're told that as a contrast to tell us that the Christian is different. And the Christian is one who, who waits for the Lord. See that in verse 31? He waits for the Lord. He is one who abandons self reliance and dependence and instead looks to God. And the Lord Jesus Christ, with, 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 with expectancy, with, with patience, resting on him as his strength and refuge. And what does the Lord do for those who wait? The Lord gives him strength, supernatural strength. That's why the Christian is a mystery. He is so weak, and yet he is strong. Strength for what? What, what do you think Israel in exile needed strength for? Well, they needed strength to keep, to keep trusting God, didn't they? Strength to keep, to keep walking with him, not to cave into their doubts, to, to carry on believing that despite their current circumstances of exile, that, that that was not the end of God's plans and God's purposes for them. And God gives us a similar kind of strength. Jesus, verse 31 
renews our strength. That word renews is, is something like exchange. You know, if you've, you've been working hard all day in the garden and your, and your clothes are, are sweaty and, and dirty and you just feel grim, and you exchange them, you have a shower and put on new clothes and then it brings new freshness and energy to you. Well, that's kind of what's going on here. He renews our strength where we're weary and doubting. He brings fresh hope and faith, strength for every fresh difficulty that we, we face, strength to pray, strength to struggle, strength to resist sin, to wrestle, strength that comes new from him every morning. And what does he renew our strength for? You see in verse 31, what does he renew our strength for? Well, I think it's to persevere, to keep going, and to go not just stumbling and weep, but to go forwards in strength. It's a picture of endurance, running, and not being weary, and walking, and not being faint, rising up above the circumstances we find ourselves in and clasping Christ like eagles rising on their wings above the world. We know that, don't we? That this world is, is not our home. It's a truth we need to teach ourselves every day that we wake up that this world is not our home. That we are, are, are pressing forwards to another world where we'll find the fullness of God's plans to bless us fulfilled. In this life that we are, we are seeking an inheritance that is not yet ours, but promised to us. That we, that we are those who are, are straining forwards to another goal day by day. What does God say to us? He says, you will not fail. Wait upon me and you will not fail. The Lord gives us strength. So as, we, as we close this passage... Let me ask you, will you wait for him? Will you wait for him? Whatever your life is like now, whatever your struggles and your doubts, will you wait for him? Our ways, my way and your way. And we are parting for a time. It's the last time, isn't it, that we'll be gathered in this way together. Some of you, I I hope I'll, I'll see soon. And some of you, it may be longer. I don't know. We don't know what, what the future holds. We don't know what, what lies ahead. We don't know that the troubles and the trials and the difficulties that will, will face us and make us doubt. But we do know this, don't we? That a time will come when we'll be gathered again together. Why? Because, because he will gather us. And that, and that time, in that time, our morning will become dancing, our night will, will become day, our, our present circumstances will pass away, our faith, our, our struggling, our feeble, our doubting faith, what will happen to that? Well, it will become sight. We'll see the reality of all we have believed and we'll rise up together, friends. We'll rise up together on eagle's wings, forever praising the Lamb. That is what our future holds for you as a Christian. That is where you're going. Wherever you are currently, it is not the end. So let me ask again, will you wait for him? Will you wait for him? Because he will give you strength to the end. Let me pray for us.
Our Father, it is in some ways a relief to acknowledge and confess to you this morning uh, together that we are those who are weak and feeble and we are those who are full of doubts. Sometimes we do feel alone in them as if we're the only ones who, who wrestle and struggle. And yet that's not true. It's the nature of our hearts before you, the nature of our sin, to doubt your character, to doubt your goodness, to doubt your promises. And so we praise and thank you this morning that our salvation does not rest on us, but on you. You are the God who does not fail us ever, who has not let one child slip through his hands, who knows all his sheep by name. Lord Jesus, you're the one who protects us on our path, whatever we face, whatever our times bring us. You continue to care for us and shepherd us. And you're the God who will not let us fail. Even though we often daily feel like giving up and struggling and forsaking you, you always draw us back. You know what to say to us. You know how to lift us up. And so we praise you for that. And we pray you'd keep us from this day forth and forevermore. Keep us as your people, praising you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.